All right, uh, for this season, if you're new here, we've been in a season all month where we've been talking about the evil spirits that you find in Scripture, and we've based it off of Ephesians 6, verse 12, which says, I uh, wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against evil spirits. Our mantra has been, I don't have a people problem, my problem is evil spirits. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood. Our problem is not people, our problem is spirits that grip people and lead them into activity that causes manipulation, chaos, takeover, betrayal, and everything else, okay? Uh, Listen to this, not as a, I've got to check all of the boxes, but I can see some of these attributes in myself. I can see some of these characteristics in myself. I can find places that I need work, okay? For the Simon spirit, it's a little softer this week, which I appreciate because next week will be crazy, um, but it's, it's, I would say I don't use the term used car salesman because I know two of them, John and Chase, that are great people that I love very, very much, so I'm not smashing on used car salesmen. I think they're great. If they're, it, it is that slimy side of sales, if you will. Some of you have had a sales experience, and I know some of you make your living in sales, so good for you. I love you, and I'm excited for you. You know this. In sales, there are people who are sincere and people who are slimy. There is this arrogance, there is this ego, there is this lordship of money. You just kind of know you're getting scammed when you're in a relationship with them, right? Um, That's the spirit of Simon. So without further ado, Acts 8, 4 through 23, let's dive in. But the believers who were scattered preached the good news about Jesus wherever they went. Philip, for example went to the city of Samaria and told the people there about the Messiah. Crowds listened intently to Philip because they were eager to hear his message and see the miraculous signs he did. Many evil spirits were cast out, screaming as they left their victims, and many who had been paralyzed or lame were healed, so there was great joy in that city. There is, so this is, this is something, wrap your mind around this, there's this beautiful expression of God's power that is healing people, that is setting people free. There's this real move of God's power happening. And then what happens? Verse 9, a man named Simon had been a sorcerer there for many years. He's an evil spirit, right? He's a sorcerer practicing witchcraft. A man named Simon had been a sorcerer there for many years, amazing the people of Samaria and claiming to be someone great. Did you catch that? He's running around claiming to be this great sorcerer. Everyone, from the least to the greatest, often spoke of him as the great one, the power of God. They listened closely to him because for a long time he had astounded them with his magic. But now the people believed Philip's message of good news concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ. As a result, many men and women were baptized. Then Simon himself believed And was baptized. He began following Philip wherever he went. And he was amazed by the signs and great miracles Philip performed. Verse 14. When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that the people of Samaria had accepted God's message, they sent Peter and John there. Verse 15. As soon as they arrived, they prayed for these new believers to receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit had not yet come upon any of them, for they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Verse 17, then Peter and John laid hands upon these believers and they received the Holy Spirit. Listen to Simon, verse 18. 
When Simon saw that the Spirit was given when the apostles laid their hands on people, he offered them money to buy this power. Let me have this power too, he exclaimed, so that when I lay my hands on people, they will receive the Holy Spirit. Verse 20, but Peter replied, may your money be destroyed with you for thinking God's gift can be bought. If you've heard me talk about this passage before, you know where I'm headed here. But the, the, the Greek translation of this, in fact, I'll take you right to the spot. May your money be destroyed. That word for destroyed is the same Greek word that's used to talk about the punishment and destruction of hell. So the, the King James gets it the closest. It says, thy, puni- thy, thy perish with thy money, right, is what the King James says. The clear Greek translation of what Philip or what Peter is saying here is you and your money can go to hell. That's what he's saying to them. He's saying, but may your, may your money be destroyed with you for per- thinking God's gift can be bought. He's saying, may you and your money perish to hell. That's what he's actually saying to them there. Verse 21. You didn't think the apostles had a backbone, the early dudes. <laughs> they, were, they were lighting people up, right? Go to verse 21. You can have no part in this. For your heart is not right with God. Repent of your wickedness and pray to the Lord. Perhaps he will forgive your evil thoughts. Verse 23. So I can see that you are full of bitter jealousy and held captive by sin. Give you my experience with the Simon spirit. And and like I said, I preached these messages a while ago. And this is one that I'll, I'll bring back from that time uh, I was at a conference before we started the church in Charlotte, North Carolina. A friend of mine sat on a board of a big church there, and I met the pastor, and as I momentarily met him, he laid hands on me to, to start a ministry one day, and then he said this to me, and I'll never forget this. He said, uh, be ready, brother. One day, someone's going to come along in the early years of the church, and they're going to try to buy your ministry. I thought, that's interesting. You know, I'll take it. He's a great pastor, big leader. Okay, cool. I, I just received that from him, right? So here we are. We announced that we're starting a church. And when we announced that we're starting a church, I remember this guy came up to me, super sharp dressed guy. I'd never met him before. And he, and he comes up, and the first thing that he starts doing to me is talking about how much money he's got. He just sold this company, and, you know, I want to tithe on the earnings of my company that I just sold. And I know you're starting a church, and uh, would like to grab lunch with you. Listen, when you're a church planner and a millionaire invites you to lunch, you go to lunch. You don't don't have to pray about that one, right? You're like, okay, cool. Name the spot. I'll be there. So I show up to lunch and and it was really like, it was really weird. He's he's sitting there and, and sitting right in front of him is his checkbook. Like, isn't that weird? Who shows up to lunch with a checkbook and a pen? You know, it's like, okay, I guess we'll, we'll roll with this. And he's sitting there and he's fidgeting his checkbook and he's just talking to me about, you know, I know you're planting a church and man, we're excited for you and, you know, everything else. And we really want to support you. And he starts dropping these massive numbers of how much he sold his company for. And he's telling me he wants to tie that I'm thinking if he really does, that is our annual budget in one check, right? If this guy's going to write that check. And so he's, as he's talking and, and then this is the moment. Like, you want to talk about what does is, what is a Simon spirit sound like? It sounds like this. And he says to me, well, brother, man, <clears throat> we're so excited for you. We want to support you and we want to help you financially so that you guys can launch really strong. All I need you to do. That was the line. Hello, Simon, right? I'm sitting across from you. He says, all I need you to do 
is put my wife and I over the marriage and family ministries, and we'll take care of all of that for you, and you know, we'll, we'll be able to support you financially and do all this. I mean, the food hadn't even arrived yet, right? Like, I'm still sitting, I'm like, okay. And so I said to him what Peter said. I said, you and your money can go to hell. No, I didn't say that. I probably should have, right? So I'm sitting there and I'm like, okay. So um, I said to him, I said, hey, you know, I, I really appreciate you wanting to support us. I mean, I, that, that would be a significant help to our church at this time. I do want you to know that like, God has already put in place the leaders of that ministry for right now. So like, that, that's, that's not something I can do. If you and your wife, if you'd like to serve somewhere else, if you would like to lead in another capacity, we can talk about that. But I, I can't really do that. And he looks at me and he says, well, he says, that's too bad. He said, I was really looking forward to supporting the church. And that's how Luke turned down a million-dollar check. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm literally sitting there, right? And, I, and I'm, I'm rehearsing all of this in my mind, and I'm preparing for a sermon, and I'm thinking through the Simon spirit, and it checks every box, right? How does it start with arrogance and ego? This arrogant, here's all I've done, here's how much money I've made, here's what I've accomplished, here is my ego on full display, and then it is this skipping the process to get straight to the power. Right? Now, here's all I need you to do for me is give me power, right? And then there is this lordship of money that like I can use my money to skip the process, to beeline it around people who are faithful, who are serving, and I can get what I want through my money, right? That's the whole, that's your outline for today, and that is the Simon spirit. It is arrogance and ego. It is skipping the process for all the power, and it is this lordship of money. And don't forget this. People trying to buy you will only stick around if you're selling. They do not come to church here, that guy I met with. He does not. That would be awkward, right? But he, once he realized he couldn't buy the power, he'd stick around. He doesn't want any of that. The people who are trying to buy your vision, the people who are trying to buy your life, they're trying to buy power in your life, they're only going to stick around if you're selling. But when you tell them no, they disappear. Why? Because it is the method of this spirit. They're looking for a way they can get power and control through the lordship of money. Are you ready? Man, thanks Rob. Eleven, you are going to, and here's, here's what I need you to understand. What I say to you has, has no bearing on your day today. It's not my job to get up here and say something to you. It's to communicate what the Lord's spoken to me. And your ability to walk out of here transformed or impacted or anything else is solely up to how much you're willing to receive. This is not a, give me what you got. This is a, I'm ready to receive something today. So if you've come here ready to receive, I think God's going to speak to you. If you've come here just trying to check a box and get out of service and not mess with it and hope you make it in time for kickoff at noon, you're not going to get anything out of this today, right? So are we ready to receive today? A little better. All right, here we go. Arrogance and ego. Acts 8, verse 9. A man named Simon had been a sorcerer there for many years, amazing the people of Samaria. And what did he do? He was claiming to be someone. Listen, the things that you spend your time claiming about yourself are usually the things that are holding you back from being who God's called you to be. 
If you feel like you have to go claiming to be great to everybody, there's, there's probably a gap between what you feel like you have to claim and who you really are in the heartbeat of your own soul and being able to fulfill what God has called you to be. Simon is running around. He's telling everyone how great he is. And isn't it interesting? When the apostles came with the real thing, who was the first one trying to buy it? Simon. He knew what he had was fake. He knew he was just posturing. He knew it was just ego. He knew it was arrogance. He knew he didn't have the real thing. He sees the real thing. Acts 8 verse 18, when Simon saw that the spirit was given, when the apostles laid their hands on people, he offered them money to buy this power. Acts 8 verse 23, what is his motive? It is always this. When you meet these simony spirits, that is a word, by the way, if you ask somebody way older than you what simony means, it means people who do slimy things with money. They're a simony person. My grandma would say something like that, right? Simony is the name. When you meet this simony spirit, it is always wrapped up in bitter jealousy, which keeps them captive to their sin. There is this bitter jealousy, so I've got to be arrogant, I've got to put my ego on full display, I've got to try to convince you that I'm great because I'm, I am jealous inside and I want what you have or I want power over you or I want to buy what you've got. And how do the prideful measure themselves? Usually it's by money. So how does this all end with the lordship of money? Arrogance, pride, and ego usually revolve around a lordship of money. Let me give you these really quick so you can kind of evaluate yourself. Let this be the diagnosis of the first step of a simony spirit. There are four things here, and the book of Proverbs and the book of Ecclesiastes really expands on all of these. Number one is pride. Pride is, is bragging about or being enamored with your own achievements. Pride is... Here's what I've done, here's what I've accomplished, here's what I've achieved, here's what I've built. That is pride. Pride is enamored with accomplishments. Ego is enamored with self. Aren't I beautiful? Aren't I amazing? Don't I jump higher, run faster, and lift more weight than everybody else, right? So pride is arrogance about achievement. Pride is, is loving your achievements. Ego is loving yourself. Arrogance is when the two combine to make you better than everybody else. Because of what I've done and everything that I've achieved and because of how great I look and wonderful I am, I am better than you. You're, you're cool, but I'm better. You're nice, but I'm nicer. You're popular, but I'm the most popular, right? Like that, that's it. Vanity is when that turns into vitriol. Vanity is when, because of yourself and your great achievements and your great looks and your arrogance and your ego and your pride, everybody else becomes worthless. That is the genesis of the book of Ecclesiastes, that because I have achieved the peak of all wonder and all self-absorption, that everyone else around me is worthless. I am great, you are worthless. I am great, you have no value. I am great, and everyone should recognize that because everyone else around me is worthless, okay? So this is the dangerous space that the Simon spirit catches them in. They find themselves right in this place of pride, of ego, of arrogance, or of vanity. They find themselves puffing themselves up so much so that everyone around them, they don't want to be around them. They don't want to talk to them. They don't want to hear. Anybody know that? You know the one-upper, right? 
There's the one-upper. It's the person who one-ups everything that you say all the time. I went on vacation. So did I last week to a better place than you by private jet, right? It's like, what? Like, I went skydiving. Me too, without a parachute. I did it. Like, I'm just one-upping everything. I went ziplining. Me too, in Costa Rica, without a safety harness, right? Just took my belt off, just like, you know, they do in the movies, and wrote it down. Like, it's the one-upper, right? It's this person who's constantly posturing themselves and puffing themselves up. It is the start of the Simon spirit. Look at me and see how great I am from what I've done to what I look like to the combination of two, just walking in arrogance to vanity. Everyone else is worthless compared to me. Listen to what Jesus says about this. Matthew 16, 24 through 25. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if you want to be my follower, you must give up not pave your own way, not make your own way, not create your own way. You must give up your own way. Take up your cross, not your crown. Take up your cross, not your crown. He says, take up your cross and follow me. Not lead me, not tell me what to do, but follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will Save it. Remember in high school, we had this guy named Brandon move to our town from Alabama. I grew up in Spring Hill, Kansas, and he was from Alabama. And he literally just walked around talking about how he was God's gift to football. It's all he talked. Uh, you know, I'm from Alabama. In Alabama, we play real football. In Alabama, I'm this, that. We play year-round, 500 games a year. You know, I'm the best football player you've ever seen in your life. I was faster, could jump higher. I was this all-state, all-galaxy, all-universe junior football player in Alabama. You can see me on Rivals. You can see me on all these things, right? This is me. So we're, we're like, oh, man, great. So we go through our first week of conditioning, and then we move into the first week with pads. And he's been talking about how wonderful he is the whole time. So coach says, all right, it's time. We're going to start this off with a bang. We're going to start with Oklahoma drill. Brandon, you're over here. And Brandon's the all-galaxy player from Alabama who's told everybody, right? And he gets down. And then he says, over here, Robert, we're going to have you over here. Now, Robert was an animal. Robert was on, like, his sixth year of high school, Right? Like, Robert just, he spoke with a grumble, he had the cowboy collar and decoration over his helmet, he didn't even use words, like, Robert, football, Robert, pay football, Robert, tackle, Robert, kill, you know, like, Robert. so we're like, man, this is great, Robert gets down there, Brandon is over there, and we were expecting a war, what we got was a massacre, I remember, we're all standing around and we're like, this is going to be good. Here we go. Coach blows the whistle. Brandon pops up. He's standing straight up. He, you can tell he never played football in his life. Standing straight up. He's running. Robert is parallel to the ground. He looks like a missile that has been launched from a cannon. He's just parallel. And we're seeing this happen. He hits Brandon so hard, right underneath his chin, busts his chin strap, both his earpieces went flying out of his helmet. We thought Brandon was dead. We're like, Robert committed his third murder, right? Like he killed another person, right? Just flat, lazy. And we were all standing around there, and I remember Coach looking at all of us, and he's like, they must play a different kind of football in Alabama, right? We couldn't believe it. But here's what happens with pride and arrogance and ego and vanity. You will posture yourself into a position you can't get out of. And the only way to get out of it is to try to purchase some power, is to try to manipulate some people, is to have a lordship of money or to keep 
on lying. And listen to this. If we spend all of our time maintaining our own image, we don't have enough time to reflect Christ's image. If all you're worried about is maintaining your image and posturing your image and posting your image so people think a certain way about you, if all you do is spend your time maintaining your image, you don't have enough time to reflect Christ's image. And Christ's image is not how great you are. Christ's image is how great he is. We become the reflection of it, right? But you can't become a reflection when you're worried about staring at yourself in the mirror. You can't become the mirror if you want to be in front of the mirror. You can't become the mirror if all you want to do is be in front of the mirror and look at how great you are and be enamored with yourself. It's the first step in the Simon spirit. It is this prideful, arrogant, egomaniac that is just so wrapped up in themselves, and then it moves to this. He wanted power without process. We're gonna spend some time here. Acts 8, guys, I'm skipping to 18 and 19. Skip the first part that I gave you. It says, when Simon saw that the Spirit was given when the apostles laid their hands on people, he offered them money to buy this power. If you're following along, you have your Bible, circle this. Let me have this power Two. It, is, it is really just one Greek word with an addition of an adjective to it. It is one word, though. He says, let me have this power, too. And here's what he says. He exclaimed, so that when I lay my hands on people, they will receive the Holy Spirit. This is really interesting. Start of verse 19. Guys, you can just leave it up there. Start of verse 19. He says, let me have this power. There are two Greek words that we use in Scripture to describe power. One of them is dunamis. Dunamis is where we get the English word dynamite. It is a word of wanting to harness and use and experience the power. If we were in here and we were saying, God, we want your power. We were speaking Greek. We said, God, we want your dunamis. We want your dynamite, your power to come into this room, meet us through worship, transform us through your word, to heal, to restore, to touch. That is one space of the power. That is one Greek word used for power. That's not the Greek word that Simon uses. The second word is exousia. As you can hear, it's where we get the English word exercise. This is a word saying, I want to control who gets the power. I want to control who can do what. All you have to do is give it to me. He's not saying, I want to experience the power of God. He's saying, I want to be God. I want to determine who gets it. Look through the narrative of scripture. I'll walk you through a couple. Jesus is teaching and healing in the synagogues and the council comes to him, the Jewish leading council, and they confront him and they said, by what exosia are you doing these things? They didn't say how. They're saying who allowed you to have this power to do these things? In Matthew chapter 4, Jesus is tempted by the devil, and the devil takes him up to a high building, and he says, look off of this. I will give you everything out there if you will just bow down and worship me, and I will give you power, exosia, over that. The devil is saying, I'll give you the ability to exercise power, and in Jesus, in so many words, says, that's not yours to give. You don't have authority over the power. Do you see the difference in the Simon spirit? The Simon spirit does not want to experience power. They want to control the power. 
They want all the power in their hands, and they, they want to do it in a way that skips the process that develops the power. Remember, he gives his heart to Jesus and then instantly tries to buy the power. He was on a new path with old patterns. Hear me, you cannot walk a new path with old patterns. That is the tension of our faith. That is what the Holy Spirit is going to wage war against in your heart. I gave my heart to Jesus, but I still want to control my own power. I gave my heart to Jesus, but I still want to do my own thing. I'll let you have this, and I'll show up on Sundays, and I'll participate in singing, and I may show up to a group, but when it comes to that, that's kind of mine, right? That's what I want. This is the heartbeat of the Simon spirit. It is a spirit that says, I don't want to experience power. I want to control it. And I'll let you come in in this space, and I'll let you come in in this space, but I'm on a new path with old patterns. How do I buy this from you? This is a dangerous mindset to get in. This mindset of, and, and listen to me college students because this is a narrative that we have to change about you. The narrative about you, I'm sure you've heard it. I'm not one who preaches it. I fight against it and I believe in you, but this is the narrative, right? You want the great jobs, but you wanna skip the process. You want the name on the wall and you want the best position, but you don't wanna do the internship. You don't wanna work hard, you just want all the power, right? I'm sure you've heard that. It's not from me, I'm not a proponent of that message, but I hear that often from older people, what is wrong with this generation, right? There is this idea or this spirit that can creep in and say, I want power, but I don't want process. The problem with that is this. If you don't go through the process, you will lack the maturity when you get to the position to handle the power. If you don't walk through the process, you know the people that I'm most attracted to? It is not people who've been given everything. I do not care how successful a trust fund kid with a drug addiction is. I'm not interested. Show me someone who's grinding. Show me someone who's come, show me someone who's embraced the process, not just had it handed to them, right? And I will show you someone who deserves the position, who will find themselves in the position. This is interesting to think, right? Simon wants what Peter and John have, but Simon wants to go straight from giving his heart to Jesus to having the power. Look at just the book of Acts the process that Simon goes through to get to that, or that, that Peter and John go through to get to that place of power. This is just the book of Acts. First off, they start out, they see Jesus ascend. Peter preaches about Judas betraying the rest of the, Judas betraying Jesus in chapter one. They nominate another apostle because Judas went crazy. Pentecost happens, Holy Spirit falls. Peter preaches to the crowd. Peter heals a crippled beggar. Peter preaches in the temple to an opposing crowd. Peter and John go before the council. They're silenced by them. They said, no way. The council threatens them further. Peter confronts Ananias and Sapphira. They perform many miracles. The high priest gets jealous, throws them into jail. They get out of jail. Acts chapter six, they rearrange the leadership of the church. After they rearrange the leadership of the church, they see Stephen killed for his faith in Acts chapter seven. That doesn't even count the, the Gospels. They go through the Gospels where they're called by Jesus to be disciples. They are teaching and preaching. They are doing miracles on his behalf. They are hosting feeding lines. They're spending time with Jesus in prayer. They're on the boat. They're at Lazarus's tomb. They went through a process to get to the space of power. There's a process that you have to go to. 
a lot of people want my job. Now, sounds really, really cool. Pastor on a church campus, on a, on a college campus, reaching a lot of college kids. They want it now, but the process to get here was different. The process was a grind. And if you don't go through the process then, you're not ready for the position now. It's great now, but when we didn't even know if we were going to have enough money to cover our first budget, and yet we had to hire staff and we had to do these things, we didn't know if we had enough runway to even exist. I'm wondering if I'm going to have to get a second job just to support my family, just so we can make this thing happen. We launched church August 20, August 25, Hurricane Harvey hits, floods the old LSC. I'm in a, I'm in a hotel room in Corsicana wondering if my house is being flooded, and we're sitting here thinking, is anyone ever going to come back? We canceled church our second week. The next week was Labor Day weekend. We show up to Labor Day weekend like, I don't even know if this is going to get up. You talk about sleepless nights. You talk about worry and anxiety. You talk about process that prepares you for the future position. You're ready for it. But if you skip that, you lack the maturity that it takes. And that is a mark of the Simon spirit. Give me the power Give me the position. I don't want to deal with the process of getting there. And it lands right here with a lordship of money. Usually always lands here because that's the, that's the easiest way for the prideful and the arrogant to compare themselves to each other is money. Acts 8, 20 through 23. It says, but Peter replied, may your money be destroyed with you for thinking God's gift can be bought. Verse 21, you can have no part in this for your heart is not right with God. Repent of your wickedness and pray to the Lord. Perhaps he will forgive your evil thoughts for I can see that you are full of bitter jealousy and held captive by sin. Do you see? That is another just clear-cut diagnosis into what's going on into the Simon spirit. One, his heart's off. His heart's bad. He says, I can see that your heart is off. What's wrong with his heart? Verse 20 tells you he's having evil thoughts. What were those evil thoughts that I can purchase and buy whatever I want? That I'm still great, that I'm still wonderful, and I'm going to buy my way into a place of power. And what is he stuck in? Jealousy. What are these people riddled with? Jealousy. What do they look at Instagram and think they're so jealous of everyone else? When they see somebody else who's in a position that they're not in, they're jealous. It's just riddled with bitter jealousy and held captive to sin. How do you break the Simon spirit. This is a really popular answer. Give money away. I told you. Not a lot of amens there. How do you break it? If it ends with the lordship of money and pride and arrogance and self-image and self-posturing and skipping the process just to get to the power, how do you break this? You have to learn to live generously. I tell people this all the time. If you are a follower of Jesus, you should be giving some of your money away. And now, like, look, I know what you're thinking, right? Of course the pastor's going to say that. And I think we are a great place to invest in financially. God is working in our church. But let me just take that off the table for, for clarity's sake. If you don't believe in what we're doing, don't give money here. 
Don't give a dime here if you don't believe. I believe God has every dime that we need to do exactly what we're called to, and he is our source that's going to provide it. And whether that comes through hundreds of people or one person, I know that God's gonna take care of it. That's not what I'm trying to get you to do here. But what I'm saying is, how do you break a tendency to fall into arrogance, to fall into pride, to fall into ego, to fall into lordship of money? You learn to live generously. I'll give you an example from my own heart. There was a time where I used to give money to people without a home, to homeless people. I, used to, if I pulled up to a stoplight and I saw someone outside of my window holding a sign. I was the guy who rolled down the window, the light had turned green, people would be honking at me, I didn't care. I'm like, hey, come here, come here. Listen, here's five bucks. I'm gonna pray as I pull through that light that God would do a significant work in your life and he'd use that money for good. God bless you and I'd drive away, right? And then I'll just tell you something very transparently. Um, When I was on staff at the Ark in Conroe, I I was over outreach for a while. And when I was over outreach, um, I experienced just the really bad side of homeless ministry. Uh, From manipulation, to drug addiction, to entitlement, to apathy. I mean, I had homeless people telling me, if you're a pastor, you're going to do what I tell you to do because your job's to help me. I mean, they called me at my office. Literally, I'm sitting in my office. I pick up the phone. What are you doing? I'm I'm sitting here working. Well, I need a ride to the VA clinic because I got an appointment. I don't have a car. And you're the outreach pastor, so you need to come pick me up and take me somewhere. I I mean, literally, like, that was just constantly, right? And And what it did was this. It wore on my heart, and I, I started to have these evil thoughts. These people are entitled. All these people, they're, they're just entitled and enabled. And, and I, I went from giving to acting like I didn't see them. I, I went from being the guy who'd roll down his window to the guy sitting at the stoplight just waiting for it to turn green, hitting the gas, and driving right on by as they're standing up. And I could feel it in my heart. I was like, something is off right now. Something's not right, but I couldn't wrap my mind around it. And I I was very good at justifying it, right? It's a tricky thing with preachers is we can find a scripture to help us with something where, you know, they don't work, they don't eat, right? First Thessalonians 3. And I I can really grab a hold of something and run with it. And I'm not going to enable people anymore. And I'm not going to give them drug money and cigarette money and all that. And you can find ways to do that. But in in my heart where my, my spirit, something was saying, something is wrong with your heart. You've got the wrong thoughts, but I didn't know what to do about it until I was driving through Marshall's parking lot. And as we were driving through there, my son was in the back and, and he's the sweetest boy who's in here the first service. He loves to come when I tell good stories about him, right? And so he's in here and, and I told him, we were driving through and at the time he couldn't say homeless. It was just the cutest thing you'll hear a kid say. He, he thought they were lonely, not without a home. So he called them loneless. So he would say, Dad, are those, are those loneless people? Are those loneless, like people that are alone, right? And so we're driving through, and there's this family, and there's this guy, and he's playing an electric violin, and he's got his children there, and he's got his wife there, and they have this sign that says, anything helps, and we're driving by, and I'm just acting like I, I didn't see him, right? Something's wrong with my heart. I've got this, this challenge in my heart. And all of a sudden, Canaan says in the back, Dad, are those loneless people? Dad, are they loneless? And I, I'm the pastor, right? And I'm saying, I don't know, bud. You know, I mean, we'll just, we got to get home. He said, no, 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 dad, dad, hang on. Dad, turn around. And I watched my son in my rearview mirror pull out his little Minecraft wallet, open up his Minecraft wallet and pull a $5 bill out. And he said, dad, turn around. He said, I want to give those people my money. What's wrong with me, man? I'm getting old. I cry all the time. I'm getting soft, right? And I'm just, I'm like, I'm so proud 
and so ashamed at the same time, and I turn around, and I pull back up there, and I roll down the back window, and I watch my little son with the biggest smile on his face hold a $5 bill out the window and give away his own money, and the Lord spoke so clearly to my heart, Luke, that should still be you. So now, how, do I, how did I fix it? How did I fix it in my heart? I roll the window down. I give money. It's not my job to determine what they do with it. It's my job to fix my heart. It's my job to bring my heart to a place of generosity. I know we're talking about money here, but how do you break the Simon spirit? When you are all wrapped up in ego and arrogance and pride, you learn to have a generous heart and celebrate somebody else's victory. Celebrate someone else's win. Don't make it all about you. Don't share your resume with everybody. Don't tell people how great you are. Don't tell them how many points you've scored or how many touchdowns you've ran by or whatever. Just make it about them. Learn to have a generous heart with celebration. How do you you get to a place where you're not trying to skip the process and just get the power? You have a generous heart. You live with humility, willing to serve. Just do whatever anybody needs and however I can serve and help. It's not about me and getting to the position of power. It's about me walking through the process that God has for me so that he can entrust me with more. Those who can be entrusted with little can be entrusted with much. That's the process of God, right? How do I break the lordship of money? I get over the evil, callous thoughts in my heart. I roll the daggum window down and start giving two bucks, three bucks, four bucks, five bucks away again and again and again to learn how to live generously. The Simon spirit is completely self-absorbed. How do you break self-absorption? Generosity. How do you break being wrapped up in yourself? Give it away. Give it away. Open your heart and learn to be generous. 